Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen, TGIF, welcome to G's Power. Oh my gosh, Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us on this beautiful Friday morning. And hope you all are doing well. And we're talking about the money, honeys. Uh, we are here to try to figure out what's going on with our economy and to break it down. We have Mr. Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore on with us. And if you have questions or comments, we're throwing the money. Well, actually, we're not. And I don't know why I keep saying money. Anyway, we're thro- we're not going to throw the phone number out today because we are pre-recorded today. Um, but if you have questions for Paul in the future, please don't hesitate to leave me a message on the G's Power Hour Facebook page. Anyway, Mr. Shelton Jr., good morning. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm just uh, wanting to see what's going on. I keep hearing signs of the uh, talk of the big bad R word. Um, so uh, I guess we want to start first uh, about the jobs report that you know people are kind of like mm, scratching their head about maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the jobs report came in today, and, and it showed that we increased by 253,000 jobs in the month of April. Um, and, and the time frame where we were expecting there to only be an increase of about 180,000 jobs. And right, the previous, that's what I heard. Correct. <laughs> so. So, so we outpaced that, which is um, a good thing from an economic standpoint or a good thing from an employment standpoint, but from an economic standpoint, what that says to the Federal Reserve is that possibly inflation is going to be a little bit stickier than we thought. You know, we're starting to see the leveling off in certain prices and things of that nature, but also and we have an unemployment rate that drops from 3.5 to 3.4%, you know, um, and it still continues to be the same trend in state sectors, which um, professional business services, healthcare, leisure, and hospitality that are leading the way, then that means that we mm-hmm. have more people that are traveling, um, more people that are getting out and they're spending money, and that's creating more inflation in the economy. So it, it puts the Federal Reserve in a position to where they will potentially have to uh, continue the rate hike regime that they're on. Um, wait, they just... wait, 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 wait. Um, isn't it that time of the year, though, anyway? Doesn't that kick up anyway? Uh, why are we trying to back that down? Isn't it normal for people to go on vacation? Uh, you know, wedding season, honeymoons, that's coming up. You know, family reunions. Isn't that normal? Why are we trying to, to tamper with that? 
Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's normal to travel during the summer, but a lot of this data is coming out from, I guess, more of the spring break period, and it's not just with the traveling um, that have the jobs, but there's also professional business services and healthcare and social assistance um, were a lot of the ones, the industries that led the way as well as travel and leisure. So, you know, the the, the conundrum is, you know, you have more jobs out there, more people employed, um, which means that there's more people that are going to be spending money and, and recirculating the dollar much quicker, um, which drives prices up because it creates a, a higher demand on those goods and services. Uh, the, the Federal Reserve, you know, has a target, you know, rate that they would like to get to, and they have a target unemployment rate that they would like to see because we're, we're right now operating ab above full employment, um, essentially, in, in our economy. And, and that target unemployment rate is, is actually um, north of 4%, closer to 4.5%. And they wanted to reach that target by the end of this year. So with them being, you know, a full percent away from that, over a full percent away from their target, um, unfortunately, it looks like they're going to have to continue the rate hike regime in order to, to potentially slow down, you know, the economy. Um, you don't want to stop the economy, but it's, it's very delicate. It's, it's definitely doing surgery on the wing of a butterfly. You have to be able to project it where the economy is going to go so that when we do get into times where we're back to school and things are slowing down, we're not extremely, extremely hot and still running hot and potentially slide into a hyperinflation for uh, many of the banking institutions and a lot of other industries that are out there. Okay. Is it possible, though, that... Because they seem to, I mean, I don't, I can't, I can't even remember or, or tell anyone how many times the rate, the Fed has hiked the rate. But is it possible, though, that at some point they're going to have to just say, we've done all that we have, we could, we can't do this hike anymore, and we may just have to let things kind of take, run their course and correct themselves? And, and, and if there may be there may be some things that that happen along the way that we don't want to happen that are negative, but they may need to go ahead and happen. Yeah, and and that's essentially you know what's taking place, and that's you know the laissez-faire um, school of economics says that to you know let market forces reign and and don't let intervention take place. Um, a, a lot of of what's taking place now, you know, by the Federal Reserve is is, is put into mandate. Um, to prevent us from catastrophic ranges and, and bounds when it comes to price stability and um, in our market and supply and demand. So if the Federal Reserve was to pull back and say we're not going to do anything, which, you know, they, they never do. I mean, the Federal Reserve has many tools in their, you know, monetary tool belt to, to combat inflation and, and to be prepared for any, you know, type of economic situation that we're in. But if they were to pull back and, and, and disappear on providing us with support, um, it could create a situation where we have interest rates that are out of control and, and very disconnected um, from the U.S. dollar to what the rates would be. So that's, that's a situation that we do not want to be in um, potentially. Um, and, and you'll see a lot more trouble, you know, with various banks out there that are in, in trouble 
already on their balance sheet. You, you may see a lot more consolidation of M&A activity when it comes to that. Um, unfortunately, it will ensue. It will happen. We're, we're seeing that now with a lot of companies that are, you know, laying off employees, a lot of workers that are um, having to shift industries and shift and, and retrain their skills. We see that in consolidations and mergers and acquisitions, especially in the financial and the banking um, industry right now. So we're seeing some of that take place. It's just not taking place all at one time. And I think that's what the Federal Reserve tries to do. They want to mitigate the risk of all of that volatility happening at one time. That's what really causes contagion and fear in the market. Okay. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm I'm just concerned that the well, but like you said, it's it's in place. It, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. But I'm just concerned that maybe the it was put in place at a time where you know the economy was was different, jobs were different. You know, maybe you know we were more of an industrial society at one point. Now, you know, a little bit more technological and I don't know if those types of things make a difference but I'm just thinking that maybe we're not the society that we were when the those fed regulations were put into place and so maybe yeah. they're operating off of an old textbook and maybe it's time to update the textbook maybe yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and there's a there's a lot of of innovation that has taken place um, within the financial industry, and, and a lot of it is, is led and reviewed um, by the Federal Reserve, you know, with, with many things, even down to, to the cryptocurrencies that are available, or I should say crypto assets that are available. If we go all the way back um, before the Federal Reserve was chartered back in the early 1900s as a result of the Panic of 1907, but if you go back even further than that, where you had the first bank of the United States, um, which essentially tried to act as a central bank, and it was chartered twice, chartered for a 20-year period. Um, the first one, I think, was in the early 1800s, and then again, um, right around the time of the Civil War. Uh, that central bank was unable, or that formation of the central bank was unable to keep up with the changing times, like you mentioned now, um, because there, at that time, you had gold and silver that was used as the primary medium of exchange, as, as money, essentially. And then you had every small town had a bank. Um, you had the you know, small little, little bank of this town, bank of that town, and everyone had their own money. Each bank had their own you know, fiat money that they would produce. So if you were traveling you know, from, let's say, Mount Dora to Stanford, you'd go to, from the bank of Mount Dora to the bank of Stanford, there's a different money. Each one of them had a different money that they used. So you would have to often carry gold and silver in order to exchange it for that separate amount of money. Um, that first bank, Carter, you know, first Federal Reserve Bank or Central Bank, I should say, um, was not really capable of managing that process on a, on a you know, state or nationwide system. Um, so it, it failed. It did, and it failed twice. Um, where we are now with the, the Federal Reserve, which was chartered, you know, I believe, in early 19, in the 1910s, Jack Allowing is where the idea came up for it. Um, it, it was really um, a, a, 
a charter that allowed it to be fluid and functional going forward for um, the economy in the changing times. Um, so there, there are a lot of processes and things that are, that are carried out um, within the Federal Reserve that are antiquated because they match what macroeconomics tells us. But at the same time, there is a lot of innovation, um, such as quantitative easing. You know, quantitative easing was something that was not really used um, prior to its, its first issuance, um, you know, back during the Great Recession. Um, and, th and that was a monetary tool that was used. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of innovation, a lot of new things that come out that, that try to take advantage of and, and keep up with the pace. I, I would say technology has driven a lot of that. Um, we no longer, uh, you know, if you file your taxes, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, if you were getting a return, you would get a check mailed to you. Now that mm -hmm. check can be sent to your tax preparer, and they can take the fee out of that, or, or it can be sent to a separate, you know, debit card given to you by a tax preparer, or it could be, you know, just directly deposited into your account in X amount of time. Um, that's right. all innovative technology. So we're, we're seeing a lot of shifts and things, and, and um, the Federal Reserve, in my opinion, has been able to keep up with that, um, it's just the, the core tenets of supply and demand, which have been the same since the beginning of time, since, you know, we use shekels as our, as our currency on this, on this planet. That, that mm -hmm. supply and demand has always been there, and, and the, the way to combat supply and demand um, has, has always maintained the same. Now, I do believe we will further innovation go forward in the future when it comes to, you know, financial technology. But as it is right now, I believe we've done a much better job in this version of the Federal Reserve compared to the one that was existing in the 1800s. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of potentially or possibly antiquated systems, when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about the banking industry and, yeah. and maybe there's changes that need to happen there. Anyway, we're here with Paul Lee Shelton of Warwick Shore Advisors. This is G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment, and we will be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Hi, I'm Tim Garrison. Uh, you may know me as Timmy G. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the Arglatex, and I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's Chill Out Jazz, the soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight, on KHAM Radio. Are you chilling? Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us. By the way, for those that celebrated, happy Cinco de Mayo, but please be responsible in your celebrations today. Thank you very much. We're here with Paul Z. Shelton of War Shore, and, and we're not taking questions right now because we're uh, recording today. But 
Um, if you do have questions, uh, leave them for me on the G's Power Hour Facebook page, and I will pass them on to uh, Paul, and, and we'll either uh, maybe post something for an answer or we'll talk about it during the next uh, visit that he makes. So thanks. <laughs> what do you say about them, Paul? I mean, I mean, my my thinking is okay. If it seems like there's this cascading effect or something, but my thinking is, if we're having these collapses with with our banking system, um, maybe some of the rules need to change. Or some of the, you know, maybe some of the regulations need to be modified. Uh, you know, maybe they need to deal with their customers a little bit more uh, uh, sensitive, you know, sensitively, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, and I, I agree with you. And um, I, I would say, and I would want to point out, too, that we, we definitely need um, more regulation, but this is unfortunately a recurring theme. Um, there was regulations put into place to prevent situations like today what we're seeing now with a lot of these regional banks. Um, and that was done so under the Dodd-Frank, um, you know, bill that was passed, you know, under the Obama administration after the Great Recession. And that was designed to make sure that banks went through rigorous stress tests to, to ensure that they were well capitalized and that they were not taking on a risky level of investment um, like they did historically that would get deposits into trouble like this. Um, much of that was repealed um, under the Trump administration, and it left the door open for what we're seeing take place today. So between 2012 and 2019, many banks, which is typical, went out and purchased, um, you know, um, securities, U.S. Treasuries, our bonds, and in their investment portfolio, which is typical to for a bank to do what's called asset liability management. When you have excess cash on your books, uh, you purchase investments to, to pay for that. Um, unfortunately, many of those investments that they purchased were done so when interest rates were very low. Um, the way bonds work and fixed income securities work is whenever rates go up, prices of those bonds go down. So there was a mismanagement um, that took place because of that regulations were pulled off and those requirements were pulled away. So banks were allowed to hoard and stack up a lot of fixed income securities on their on their balance sheets, um, and they didn't have to report them because the um, financial reporting regulation says if it's a fixed income security, it's held to maturity. Therefore, you do not have to report the fair value of that security at today's point in time. Well, what's happening now is as banks are getting seeing deposits diminished and they're seeing loan income interest from those loans diminished, they have to go to the market and sell some of these securities um, to, to free up the cash that they need for operations. And as they're selling these securities, they're selling them at a discounted price. So many institutions right now are selling securities at a discounted price, and at the same time, they're trying to bring in new deposits. And when you bring in new deposits, they become expensive when you're in a higher interest rate environment. So you see a lot of banks that are offering CDs right now for 5% and you know 5.2% for those CDs. That's an, a, a high expense to the bank at the same time. Um, so I agree with you that the regulations need to be there um, to, to help govern the bank's 
and to help govern, you know, us in, in total. I know we all are, um, our nature as, as a country is anti-regulation. Um, that's, that's one reason. Um, there was a bunch of tea up in the Boston Harbor many years ago because we were against a lot of the regulations and, and things of that nature from uh, from Britain. But it is evident that we are not able to self-govern ourselves because if you can just look at the 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 regulations that were repealed a decade ago, banks have gotten themselves back into some of the same risky behavior that was supported before the Great Recession. Yeah, I, I have this discussion with my husband about you know, no, we need regulations because we 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 don't we we get into this, you know we we've gotten into that me 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 thing we uh, you know I mean you see it all around us. You see it when you're driving on the road. You, you're seeing it um, when people are, are you know, we, you know, that's part of the problem we have with with um, our schools and with bullying and stuff like that. Everybody's obsessed with themselves and they don't, uh, they aren't worried about how they treat other people and stuff like that. We, we, we see it all around us. It manifests itself in different ways. We Correct. are just out of control and we need regulations. I mean, we've always needed regulations. It started with the Ten Commandments. Okay. Correct. Very true. <laughs> this isn't new. We need guidelines. We need regulations. We sometimes need to be reined in. It's like everything in moderation. You know, I mean, you don't really want to go into a police state, but at the same time, you know, you need some sort of reference point to say, okay, this is what is acceptable and this is what isn't acceptable. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what do you what do you foresee happening? How is this affecting point effect? Like you know, we're talking about larger banks, but what about smaller banks? What about credit unions and and other things like that? Yeah, so there there's a lot of credit unions, and and credit unions and banks operate um, collectively in the same manner, but are treated differently from a tax purpose. So you know, credit okay. unions are nonprofit, not tax. Um, banks are for profit, and they are tax. Um, banks have to answer to, you know, Tier 1 and CECL requirements, which are their regulatory requirements. Credit unions um, primarily worry about that net worth ratio. And they both boil down and, and essentially say the same thing and look at the liquidity and the, and the health of the banks and credit unions or that financial institutions. But there are many, many credit unions, um, many banks that I would say that are not as healthy today as they as they were um, three, four years ago, um, just because mm-hmm. of the current economic climate that we're in. Interest rates are much higher, and they're having to liquidate those assets um, at a de- decreased price or a very depressed price in order to maintain their operations. So what I foresee happening is, is a lot more um, consolidation in the banking industry. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is credit unions merging with other credit unions or credit unions buying banks or vice versa, which, you know, we've seen some of that over the last year and a half um, with multiple credit unions across the state that have been buying um, banks. I, I know Vistar purchased um, Citizens Bank here locally, which used to be Citizens Bank Oviedo, and then different couple locations they have. Um, so there, there's a lot of that activity that already started last year, and, the, the one major caveat, you know, that I look at as well is whenever you have 
um, banks that are racing to have the highest CD rates. Um, it's the reason that they're they're wanting to have the highest CD rates is that, and that's because they need to bring deposits in. They want to have more mm -hmm. deposits um, to true up the balance sheet so that they can be healthier. But they're bringing it in at a higher cost, um, so that's not essentially the healthiest thing for them to do. And the the banks that you go out there and you look at and say, wow, their CD rates are horrible. They they have really bad CD rates. Their CD rates may only be you know two percent or one percent, three percent, nowhere near what the market is, is or the highest part of the market is, is advertising. Then you can look at that and say that that's potentially a healthy bank because they're not out there advertising or trying to bait people to come in to their institution. They essentially do not need deposits, which means that their their balance sheet is is in good health, um, and they are able to to purchase smaller banks, uh, regional banks. So I, I think that's going to be a, a point of of contention um, that we're going to see play out throughout. Um, throughout the the market and you know like you saw yesterday there were several regional banks that were down anywhere from you know 20 to 50 percent in in the trading yesterday many of those regional banks have responded and are up significantly today um western alliance bank which was down 40 percent yesterday is, is currently up um, significantly today it rebounded um it's up 39 percent so essentially it's back to where um, what it lost uh, for the most part of, of what it lost yesterday has recovered that today in, in trading. But that's, um, I well, think that's... Let me, uh, let me ahead, ask yeah. this, because you're talking about consolidation, and then I, I guess one of the things, and I had a discussion also with, with my husband recently about this, uh, is going the other direction in terms of monopolies. And, you know, I remember <laughs> way, way back when, in school, we were talking about uh, monopolies, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, regulations against monopolies and stuff like that. When When is the tipping point? When does something become a monopoly? Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? You know, I mean, yeah. you, you want, you know, you're talking about you've seen some consolidations and stuff. When does that consolidation get out of control, I guess, and become that monopoly? Yeah, so – in the financial industry, we're, we're pretty far from, from getting to a monopoly. A monopoly is where you have one player that's um, in the industry that's leading everything, and then that one player could um, set the tone for all the pricing, set the tone for all this and everything offered in that industry. Uh, we got close to that um, in the tech industry with, with Microsoft. Um, we were, they were fearful at one point in time Microsoft was, was going to be a monopoly because they were buying up so many different things. and if that were to happen, then you reduce the amount of competition in the industry, which means that prices are going to go up for consumers. Um, you, you have a, a duopoly, which means that there's two primary um, par market participants that are leading the way, and then you know anything over that where you have you know three is a you know three or more is, is concerning, but it's not as bad because there, there's still a level of competition. You see that kind of in the airline industry when you have a lot of con consolidation of different airlines coming together, merging, and things of that nature. Um, and a lot of times the antitrust um, system kicks in and it will cancel out a merger 
Um, it happened in the UK this past week where Microsoft was trying to buy Activision, and it was canceled out in, in the UK because they didn't want to see that much consolidation take place in that space, in that sector. In the financial industry... Yeah, I was going to say, you, you kind of do see that in technology, though, because you, you hear mostly about Microsoft and then you hear about Apple or whatever, but, you know, and then you, you, you can tell if you're going to your local mall or whatever when they're having, you know, a new release or something like that because there's lines for these new products and stuff like that. And then when you're trying to get – and this is limited in, in the tech industry because when you're trying to get something new in terms of a computer or uh, if, if they do an upgrade and, and you don't have the latest technology, you have to kind of go out and buy the latest technology to keep up. I think that's happening now with um, uh, what Windows 11 or something like mm-hmm. that. Now, you know, I mean, in, in about a year or so, uh, your, some of your old technology may or may not work, or, or Windows 10 may or may not work, and you're going to have to do what you can to uh, get on board with Windows 11 if you're you know, a Microsoft person. Uh, you know, you're kind of saying, well, everything's working fine. You know, why is this being dictated to me? So, but, right. Yeah. But, you know, in, in I, I see, I guess, some of that with the banking system as well in terms of uh, I was talking to my husband the other day about how um, it appears, and this is, actually this is a credit union, but it just appeared like my money was being manipulated, you know, in terms of, when certain purchases were made or certain transactions were made and when they're showing up in the account. And it's like, you know, the deck keeps getting reshuffled, you know, and it's like, well, no, I made this transaction on this date and then it's showing up another day. It, it just seems that, you know, like I said, there needs to be a certain amount of regulation because I don't think some of the, the uh, some of the events that are occurring are fair to the average citizen. Correct. You know, I mean, because we're talking about this stuff on a larger scale, but we really got to look at how it affects the average citizen, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. I, I I agree. Yeah, yeah. So there there's a there's a lot that needs to be done um, in that respect, um, especially in in the banking industry, um, to really focus on on that, even down to interchange um, processes. So, so the interchange process is wherever your point of sale is, when you use your, your debit card, credit card, or whatever case you, you may do, um, when you use your card at a gas station or you use it in the, the little interchange system at Publix or whatever, that's the interchange. There's a lot of um, fees that are associated with interchange, those interchanges. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, you know, those machines are... Uh, compromised, and it's not a fault of the bank credit union, and it's not a fault of of the merchant, let's say public, that has it. If it's compromised, it could just be compromised for, from a hack attempt or someone going there and slide a skimmer in real quick. Um, there are security protocols that you know the stores should take, but essentially they can't prevent that to the to the degree that interchange can. You know, the person or the entity that's running that that machine, whether it's Visa, whether it's Mirasource or whoever it is, it's their technology. They should be able to equip, equip that um, for us 
So there's a lot of legislation and a lot of conversation on, on the Capitol now on how to better um, clean up that system so that we're not mm. seeing identity staff so much and, and it's harming, you know, you know, um, harming consumers, you know, because, you know, it could be of no fault of your own if your identity is stolen and someone takes out a couple credit cards, racks up some bills and, and don't pay and then by the time you find out, which could be, you know, quick, you know, finding out a month or two later, it could be quick, but that could cause financial mm-hmm. calamity, especially when you're in the process of trying to dispute something and they're counting it as past due and it's hurting your credit. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's a lot that needs to be done from a regulatory standpoint. Yeah. We're going to take a break. We are here with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore. If you have questions or comments, you have to just leave them in a message on the Deep Power Hour Facebook page because we are recording right now. And so the number next time when he's on, 516-387-1944. This is Deep Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Just also want to mention it is National Astronaut Day and National Space Day, which I know are, are big, that's a big deal here in Central Florida, especially on the East Coast, the Space Coast. So, um, you know, we thank the astronauts for their services that they've provided, you know, in front of the camera and behind. And uh, we want to, uh, you know, because especially when they go up in space, that is no joke. That is uh, that's risking your life. So, um, and we, we have lost some in the past, you know. So we want to kind of acknowledge them and that industry. Um, but uh, there's, I know there's a lot of people out there that at one point in time in, in Central Florida that thought about being an astronaut. So, you know, something that we, when, as we have young people that are looking for careers and different things to go into, that's, um, we have that space for us now. So that's one of the things that you might want to have encourage some of our young people to look at. That means they have to be up on their math and science and reading because you have to read instructions. So um, it's, it's important, you know, we're coming up on graduations to, you know, it's important to kind of help people kind of decide on career choices, and that might be one of them. But anyway, we are talking the economy today. We're talking with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore. So um, we are seeing kind of, I guess, an increase in um, 
how should I put it? Uh, I get, I, I don't know. I want to say um, lack of diplomacy or whatever, but just different types of conflicts, you know, under the radar and in, you know, in front of the camera too, occurring with Russia, China, and other areas. How is that impacting us? Uh, yeah, so ge- geopolitical events are, are always a thorn in our sides, especially when it comes to our economics. Uh, we are so interconnected as a global society um, through currency and through commerce that anytime there's a shift or um, any volatility in any region of the world, it, it tends to, to really a- affect us all equally, or maybe not equally, but in some effect. Um, so, you know, what we're seeing now and it was, it's a little different than what we saw um, before. So, you know, when the, when the war between, uh, or the invasion, I should say, of Ukraine first took place, there was a lot more volatility that spread around, you know, the global markets at that time. Um, there was just a lot of questions that arose um, and a lot of headline risk. We're not seeing that headline risk as of, as of today. Uh, we're understanding that it's there. But, you know, the the events that have taken place this week with the assassination attempt and uh, the rhetoric and the tones that have come out of of Russia, um, to me it appears like they're trying to lay things and getting into mm-hmm. a posture of wanting to bait the United States and other countries um, to, to physically um, participate in this war with, with boots on the ground, um, which is something that I hope it doesn't escalate to. But it also... Right. Also signals to me that um, just like some of those banks that are in trouble and trying to bring in deposits by offering high CD rates, I'm not saying that every bank that's offering high CDs are is in trouble. I don't want to give that notion, but it also signals that Russia is kind of back into a corner and they've lost all of their chips. You know, they're they're putting all in right now, and and this is their last you know dish shot, last hail mary at trying to, 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 you know, live out, you know, what Vladimir's plan was or is to do um, by creating more havoc and trying to instill a lot more fear and contagion into um, the, the global markets right now and the global economy. Um, I, I do not believe, and, and we'll, we'll learn soon once all the details are, are mapped out and played out, um, but... You know, I, I don't believe on the surface of, of a lot of things that comes out of Russia. Um, you have to really have it verified on, on your own to, to really understand what is true and, and what their motives are. Um, but those, those things have not yet created any headwinds for us in, in the market, um, but they are definitely things that we're, we're keeping an eye on. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, too, is um, the uh, mortgage rate uh, change that was that occurred on Monday. Um, you know, the housing market is really struggling um, in terms of affordability for some, availability for a lot, um, and then uh, you're putting in things like insurance hikes, rate hikes. And, and all types of other things. It, you know, the home ownership, that component of the American dream seems to be, you know, I guess 
saving, especially for some folks that were already struggling in terms of having enough income to pay for a decent house. So what do you foresee happening with that? Yeah, um, unfortunately, in the near term, I don't see much of a change um, in, in the mortgage industry when it comes to, to rates, and, and this is all predicated on on um, the movement of the Federal Reserve. Uh, I mean, they're they're maintaining their their entire their monetary policy, which is going to continue to to allow us to see, you know, thirty year fixed rate mortgages, you know, above seven percent. Um, and, and, and mortgage rates in that range, uh, so it, it does make it difficult. Um, two years ago, you can buy, you know, twice the size of a house that you can buy today mm-hmm. for the, the same amount, and then it gets to the point where you know the people are, many people are getting boxed out of what they are able to to afford um, when it comes mm-hmm. to uh, and things of that nature. I, I would say, you know, from a strategy standpoint. Um, if you're out in the market and you're looking to purchase, look at those alternative means. Sometimes it's um, you know financing through a developer. If you're if you're purchasing a new, uh, new development home or, or things of that nature, and they may be able to give you some concessions or a, a better rate. Or going through a credit union as opposed to a bank. Um, credit unions often have much better you know rates than banks, and they can work with you and become more creative. Um, around their product offerings, um, product offerings such as, um, you know, so I know a credit unit has an Everyday Hero um, mortgage product. And that Everyday Hero is, is not just like fire medical, you know, personnel, but it, it extends down to, you know, teachers, principals, bus drivers, cafeteria workers. Um, it, it encompasses a lot of, of, of different industries that can come into that, and it's a mortgage that is much, much cheaper. So I would say it's harder to find good mortgages, our cheaper mortgages now. Um, So you just really have to do a lot of homework to to really find it out there. But as long as the Federal Reserve continues this posture, and even if they do um, start to cut rates in the second half of this year, um, no one is projecting them to cut rates back to where we started from. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, eleven rate hikes ago, so it's, it's yeah. going to continue to. It just may be a matter of now looking at doing um, partnerships, um, you know, intergenerational housing, where you say, okay, you know, right now I can't afford a house of my own. Let's, you know, make a compromise with the folks, you know, or or the or the kids or whatever. Um, in, in terms of doing some multi-generational housing or going in with, with uh, trusted family or friends and, and just having to uh, work out a living arrangement together until, you know, prices are, are in other uh, components are more manageable. Correct. You know. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think we've had that discussion before, too, where this is um, eerily similar to what took place Several years ago, decades ago, in the state of California, or the the other sunshine state, uh, where you mm-hmm. have you know multiple generations, multiple families um, cohabitating in one home, uh, just in order to to be able to to get by. So you know it's very possible that we will see a lot of that. I've I've spoke with people um, recently who have said you know cost of living is just too high. I'm I'm moving in with a relative. 
in order to be able to save money and, and try to regroup to potentially buy a home in the future. So I think a lot of that is going on on, you know, subsurface, and we just haven't seen it yet in the data. Uh, and for sure, a lot of those conversations and thoughts are, are being had um, at dinner tables uh, across this country, especially across, you know, the, you know, the, the state of Florida where, you know, mortgage and house prices are, are pretty high. Yeah. Better hone those social skills, y'all. You know, if you're going to do that, that's something to think about because you're going to have to spend a lot of time with people you're not used to spending time with. Uh, you know, so you've got to decide uh, if, if there's something that that is will work for you. But we're going to take our final break. We are here with Paul V. Shelton of Warwick Shore. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. This is Douglas Dobbs, owner and funeral director at Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community with two generations of family funeral service. With the recent addition of my son Brandon, we are here to take care of the needs of Central and West Orlando. From simple cremation to a full burial, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here to help you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Hi, I'm Tim Garris, and I think I found a way to help you understand what is Chill Out Jazz. Some of y'all may think of you, because of the style we choose, we make jazz and R&B. We don't categorize, we just make what sound good, baby. Is it jazz? It is what it is. Is it R&B? Tune in every Wednesday night at 10 on K-Ham Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I'm your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Today is also Africa World Heritage Day. Every year on May 5th, Africa World Heritage Day uh, offers an opportunity for people around the world to celebrate Africa. So um, that's going on today. Also, today we celebrate midwives. It's the International Day of the Midwife. Uh, so uh, the medical profession of a midwife is celebrated every year on May 5th. It's to observe and attract more attention to this particular field of health care and attract more registered nurses to become midwives. Uh, so, uh, you know, we pay homage uh, to the midwives out there. We know you have a difficult task, and we thank you for what you bring uh, to our mothers out there. Speaking of mothers, you got a little over a week before Mother's Day. Do you have the dinner plans made? Do you have the flowers ordered? Um, what are you doing? Are you doing something special? You know, reservations fill up quite fast. So, you know, whatever you're doing for mom, you better, if you haven't gotten on it already, better get on it now. Get that card in the mail. So, anyway, we're back with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore talking the economy. And uh, so, what other, uh, I guess, factors are we looking at right now? Um, gas prices, they're kind of, uh, they're, they're high, but they're not, they don't, I don't know, they're kind of creeping, but they kind of keep going back and forth from what I see. Um, yeah, they're, they're very, uh, they, they should be much lower than what they are, honestly, when you look at the spot price of what crude oil is actually trading at. And what is the movement that crude oil has taken this week and has went down? I think a lot of the 
pressure that we see in prices at the pump is a result of the season that we're heading into. Um, a lot more travel going on and expected to take place in the season, so prices are a little bit elevated, um, which are, are are getting pretty high. You know, I think a, a few weeks ago we were I seen a couple stations that were three seventy eight, or you know, close in that range. And you know, I was in in Chicago last week and this past weekend. And I saw a lot of, you know, elevated gas prices up there that were north of four dollars a gallon. Wow. And, uh, so it's uh it's uh as always it acts as a de facto tax on the citizens of, of a particular, you know, country or area. Whenever those gas prices are, are really high, there's nothing we can do about it because we're not completely in energy independent yet. And so we're still yeah. dependent upon, um, you know, crude oil and, and gas and things of that, those nature to, to run our lives, you know, everything, our electricity, our cars, homes, things of that nature. So, you know, that is something that is, is pinching consumers as well. And and typically, um, typically when inflation starts to fall, it, it falls in gas prices first, which we saw that come back. If you remember, we go back to last July, you know, we had $5, you know, gallons of gas here locally. We don't we don't have that anymore, thank God. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it is it is high, and, it's, it's, you know, we're waiting to see what it's going to look like when we get into the summer season. I know. I mean, I usually get I'm, – I'm a Sam's Club member. I usually get gas there religiously, and – even have seen that creep up and seen this is lines all the time now. I mean, we we t- talked about that in our household, how we used to not see those lines unless, you know, everybody else was up and, and Sam's was down, but now they're just lines, period, um, mm-hmm. which I don't, I don't think that uh, Sam's or some of these other, you know, Costco, BJ's, whatever, have planned for, but it's, it's just that, you know, bad right now. And I've started to use, being that, you know, it's the travel season more and you can't always find a Sam's Club, you know, I've started to use things like Gas Buddy a little bit more because they have some discounts. Um, Upside is another one that, that is a, one, a gas app. Well, actually, they're more than a gas, gas app now. Uh, both apps are incorporating more things now other than just gas discounts but i you know we were away over the weekend last weekend and yeah that's basically what it was okay what does gas buddy say where do we go you know yeah well what can we what kind of changes can we expect in the coming um months i guess uh what what should we be planning for like you said like we were talking about we are into the travel season now um what should we be uh and also we've got hurricane season starting next month. Uh, right. are there certain things that we should be kind of I guess socking away we should be socking away funds anyway to a degree, but are are there certain things that we should be uh that we should have on our radar in the coming months or so? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, here locally we're getting into hurricane season, we're getting into um, the hot, hot, rainy season sometimes as it comes through. Um, so we should definitely be, you know, prepared for all those nuances as they arise. And and also, you know, when it's hot outside um, in, in the midst of the summer 
and you have higher gas prices and people traveling, then energy costs to, to cool our homes, it's going to be, you know, a little bit higher. So also be prepared, you know, for that in that standpoint. Look for different ways that you can, like you mentioned before, save on your energy costs in, in that respect. Um, look for some home savings tips that you can utilize, um, such as, you know, automation for your water heater, hot water heater. A lot of times, you know, the hot water heater is on um, when you when we are away from home and it doesn't need to be on and we're paying for that. It's, it's just like opening your oven door and, and setting your oven to 500 degrees and just letting it run 24 hours a day. It's going to really, really juice up the bill on, on your energy and your energy costs inside your home. So... That's that's one tip that I you know that I share with people is you know when you're not home you can turn off the hot water heater, and and turn it back on. Most hot water heaters, um, if you you can adjust the gauges on it, within 20 minutes you know it's, it's hot enough for you to you know take a shower and, and move forward from there. So you really don't need to have it on 24 hours a day when you only essentially need hot water for certain times. Um, that can save hundreds of dollars of an energy bill. So, you know, as we're getting into those summer months, those are, are things, you, you know, you definitely want to consider and, and look at, um, especially around the home with the AC unit. You know, there's always a lot of a lot of issues that, that arise with those, you know, during this time of year. Knock on wood, hopefully no one suffers from, from any of that. But I've, I've had my fair share of troubles with those. Um, from economic front, I would say, that same caveat is going to kind of drive economics. Um, if energy prices continue to rise, gas prices continue to rise, and if we see somewhat of, of a resurgence of, of inflation in our economy when it comes back to food prices and, and things of that nature, that could really slow down a lot of the the, um, the market activity that we're seeing in our economy. And could be justly, it could be for for good cause, good, good reason, but it is going to be taxing on us as consumers as that plays out. So those are are some of the things that, to look for. Um, yeah, I mean, and one of the things when you're talking about um, like water heaters and stuff like that, I also thought about air conditioning because I I am one that <laughs> I am a air conditioner junkie, but. The one thing that may help is maybe getting uh, changing out your thermostat might be mm-hmm. something as simple as that where it has a timer. Maybe during certain hours you run it um, because I can't sleep hot, so my AC is usually down uh, during the evening, and then I have to remember to adjust it during the day or when I'm not here or whatever. So it may just be beneficial to do things like putting – uh, timers on things like your AC. Um, I don't know if there's one for the water heater, but that might be something to consider as well on your lights, especially outside lights. If you, you know, either dusk to dawn type of uh, lighting or uh, motion sensor, sensitive lighting or timers. Uh, those are things that you might want to consider with, with your lighting, not only on the outside, but maybe even on the inside too. Maybe you just, you know, if you're going if you're going out for the evening, and, and you want to maybe have a light that comes on, uh, that, so that the house is not dark when you come back. Maybe just find a way to put a timer on a light 
so that it comes on, you know, as as it gets dark, you know, while you're gone, so that at least some small light will be on when you when you come in, you know, from when it, from being out, you know. So this is the time to kind of just look at small things that can make a big difference in your household too. Um, I mean, there's so many things, you know, and it's all <laughs> you've kind of inspired me, Paula, maybe kind of bring in some somebody to talk about energy savings. Uh, for the coming months. So. And I wanted to ask you really quick, and I know our time is running out. When they do these, uh, when the tax uh, rebates, or, well, not rebates, but uh, the, the no tax shopping days that they have, do they actually benefit? Do they actually make any kind of difference? Um, benefit from uh, for the consumer, or in, in what perspective? What do you where do you refer? Well, I mean, you know, people will say, well, you know, I'm just going to wait for the tax free day, do my shopping, to buy batteries or or whatever. Are people really saving that much? Is it really, you know, a, a benefit to the customer? Um, if, if you're buying, I guess, you know, large scale prop, you know, items. And, and you're not paying a tax on it, you know, you're, you're saving that 6% and change, I, I guess it, it's a, a benefit. But if it's, you know, tool supplies and, and smaller things of that nature, it's very marginal, the, the difference that you would see um, in, in that. And, and with it only being a short period of time or a one-time thing, um, it's not going to, you know, really relocate a, a noticeable change across your finances. In my opinion, it doesn't show that. Paul, thank you so much for your time, and you have a good weekend. And you know, um, happy Mother's Day to your wife. Likewise, you know, and and, and uh, we wish her well because uh, we know she's been busy. You guys have been busy, you know. But um, we thank you for your time. Have a good no evening. problem. Good thank you so much. God bless. Have a great day. God bless. And thank you all for listening. This has been G's Power Hour. I never had it so good. Entertainment. Be well. Be safe. Be blessed. God willing, talk Monday, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 